0: Did you know that 4 in 10 marriages are challenged by affairs? But did you also know that over half of those marriages survive the affair? Hey, guys, it's Dana Shea, and you're listening to Real Relationship Talk. On the episode today, I am going to be sharing with you some really practical ways for how to rebuild trust after an affair or after trust has been broken. I am giving you 12 Steps. That's right. Think about it as your 12-step program in order to rebuild trust. Now, my husband and I actually have a story about trust. Several years ago in our marriage, we went through a time of infidelity on both sides. It's not something that I'm proud of, but it is something that God has used for us to be able to help other couples to have hope. All is not lost. If you are willing to do the work to rebuild trust in your marriage, you can have a better marriage today than you ever had even before the affair. If you want more information about that episode, way back on episode three, when this podcast was first launched, Sean and I sat down and we talked about how we rebuilt trust in our relationship. So be sure to check that out. Well, without any further ado, let's get into our topic for today, 12 Steps on Rebuilding Trust in a Relationship. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Okay, my friends, well, we have a lot of ground to cover in this episode today in a short amount of time. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into these 12 steps. Now, the first thing that we need to understand, step number one, is that if you have broken trust, you must want to rebuild it. If your trust has been broken and you want to restore or reconcile your relationship, you must also want to rebuild trust. You see, if you have been the person that has been offended, you can choose revenge or you can choose restoration, but you can't have both. If you are trying to get back at your partner, trying to get back at your spouse, trying to get back at whomever may have broken your trust, then you are not going to be able to allow that person to rebuild the trust that they broke. So what do you really want? I mean, what do you really want? If you're someone who's in a relationship and you're continuing these patterns of bad behavior, but then you want your partner to believe that you've changed and you want your partner to believe that you can be trustworthy, do you really want to rebuild trust? Number one, first step, you have to really want to rebuild the trust. Simple enough, right? There are so many people who think it's just so difficult. All is lost. My partner is never going to trust me again. But guess what? If you want it, you can rebuild it. So ask yourself, is this really what I want? Do I really want to continue in this relationship or do I just feel obligated to continue in this relationship? All right. Number two, second step in our 12-step process here is that both partners need to take responsibility. Now, I know if you are the offended partner, if your partner broke your heart, if they broke your trust, this can seem like a slap in the face. Dana, what do you mean I have to take responsibility? Well, listen, my friend, you have to take responsibility for part of the breakdown in the relationship. Now, what I'm not saying is that it is your fault that you were cheated on, or it is your fault that your partner went out here and did whatever they did. That is not your fault. But if you only have 1% stake in the problem, you still have to take 100% responsibility for your 1%. What do I mean by that? Taking responsibility says something like this. I realized that maybe I was not as attentive in my relationship. I realize that I did not build my partner up or build my spouse up. And that may have made him or her vulnerable to temptation. Now, what you're not saying is, I realized because I was not attentive to my spouse that they went out here and cheated. And so it's my fault too. No. But the problem with you not taking responsibility, if you're the offended spouse or the offended partner, is that you don't get the opportunity for growth and change. If we're always blaming our partner, if we're always blaming the other person for all the things wrong that they did, well, it makes us feel better because we're off the hook. However, where's our growth opportunity? And so when I say both partners must take responsibility, Of course, the person who broke trust bears the weight of the responsibility. The onus is on them. They are the ones that are going to have to do the work to rebuild that trust. But if you are the offended partner, you also have to take responsibility for, just like I was asking in step one, what do you want? Do you really want your relationship restored? Are you willing to give trust back? Now, that person has to earn it. But then you have to be willing to open your heart up and allow them to earn it. If you know in your heart of hearts that you're just never, ever going to trust your partner again, no matter what they do, but then you go through the motions, that's not taking responsibility. So take responsibility for whatever part you might be playing in the breakdown of your relationship or whatever part you may have played in the breakdown of the relationship. Again, I will reiterate this until the cows come home. It is not your fault if your spouse or your partner cheated or did whatever they did to break trust. That was their choice, 100%. But you can also use that very unfortunate situation to reevaluate how you have shown up in your relationship and then make the appropriate changes. So step number two is that both partners have to take responsibility. You have to be willing to say, how did we get here? What contributed to this breakdown in the first place? And something that might help you is an episode I did, actually episode 88, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So you guys remember that episode? That episode talks specifically about criticism and contempt. And I will tell you this, my friends, that when we are very critical of our partners, when we have contempt for our partners, that opens the door for them to feel rejected. And what happens when most of us feel rejected? We seek outside sources to feel accepted. So it's this horrible cycle, this catch 22 of I'm feeling rejected. I feel like I need acceptance. Therefore, I will go looking for acceptance. Okay. Number three is you have to be consistent. Okay. Trust is built by consistent behavior over time. If you are the person who was unfaithful, if you are the person who broke trust, and I keep kind of differentiating between the two because although most of the time we think when someone breaks trust in a relationship, we immediately think of infidelity, but there are other things that happen in relationships that break trust. If someone has an addiction and they have claimed to be sober and then they fall back into the addiction... Obviously, that's going to break trust. If someone has any other sort of addictive behaviors, gambling, um, spending too much money, whatever it is, right? There's many things that we do in our relationships that violate trust. So I'm going to talk about infidelity, I think, because that's the biggest one. But just keep in the back of your mind that if your relationship hasn't suffered infidelity, but it has suffered some of these other things, these 12 steps are also going to be applicable to you as well. But number three is consistent behavior over time. If you're trying to rebuild trust, it is super important that you are honest and that you are honest all the time. The moment that you lie, you set yourself back 10 steps. So consistent behavior over time. If you continue to be consistent, if you show up when you say you're going to show up, if you say that you're not going to have any communication with that other person and you consistently are honest about that, you consistently perform, if you will, good behavior, then that is going to go a long way. That is the best thing that you can do. Now, you might say consistent behavior over time, Dana. Well, how long? As long as it takes. As long as it takes. We don't get the option when we've broken trust in our relationship to say things like, you know what? I've been good for six months. Or I haven't done anything for the last 90 days. You should trust me now. That's not how it works. It's consistent behavior over time as long as it takes. All right. Number four is set clear boundaries and expectations. When your trust has been violated or when you have violated someone's trust, You must set boundaries. As a matter of fact, most relationships that find themselves in these situations where trust has been broken is because there were either no boundaries there in the first place or the boundaries were not said clearly enough so that the other person violated them, maybe without even realizing they were doing so. Everybody needs to be on the same page in your relationship as to what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. For example, let's say that you just recently got married and you had a lot of friends of the opposite gender. So you get married and you never really have the conversation about what happens to all these friends now. You just assume that your partner is fine with you having all these friends of the opposite gender. Now, let's say then that you and one of your friends end up getting a little too close. Maybe there's not a physical affair, but there's some sort of emotional attachment. There's some sort of violation in your spouse's eyes. And then it comes back to, was that boundary ever set? Did you all talk about how you were now going to engage in these outside friendships? And I find that most couples never have these kinds of conversations. And they never think about these things until the relationship blows up. So set clear boundaries, set clear expectations. Talk about what you expect of your partner. And I'm talking to the spouse or the partner who your trust has been violated. You have to let your partner know what you're looking for. If you expect them to break all ties forever, then you need to say that. If you expect them to come home every single night and not hang out with their friends, then you need to say that. And then you need to understand that this is also a dialogue. So just because you might have an expectation doesn't mean that your partner is going to agree on that. So you all need to be able to have Not just one conversation, but many conversations so that you both feel comfortable. Because the worst thing that can happen is that you have all of these expectations and standards of your partner if they violated your trust, and then your partner feels like, I will never be able to measure up. That's too much. There is being too much expected of me, and I'm going to fail. And so what happens in that situation is then they will pretend. They'll nod in your face and they'll say, "Okay, yep, I understand. I understand. And then behind closed doors, they're just doing anything and everything that they want to do because they never felt that they were able to measure up to those expectations in the first place. Hey friend, are you looking for ways to set boundaries in your relationships? Or are you a married couple and you're looking to make love outside the bedroom? Well, today is your lucky day. I have e-courses and workshops on my website just for you. And as a special treat, I'm offering you a 10% discount if you use the coupon code PODCAST10. That's right. All you need to do is head over to my website at danashay.com forward slash shop. That's D-A-N-A-C-H-E dot com forward slash shop to enjoy your 10% discount of my already low price of $29 for any e-course or workshop on the site. That's right. Just head on over to com forward slash shop and use coupon code podcast10 That's podcast one zero to enjoy your special discount on any e-course or workshop. And let me help you build deeper connection in your marriages and in your relationships. Okay, number five, you need to cease and desist. Literally, there needs to be a cease and desist order. If you have violated your partner's trust, you must stop all contact with that other person. I'm sorry, but there's just no exceptions. I have seen way too many people give themselves way too much credit and think that, oh, I can just be friends with this person. You cannot be friends with someone who helped you to destroy your marriage. You just can't. First of all, a real friend would never help you or aid you in destroying your marriage. So that's not a friend. So let's be honest here. Why do you still want communication with that person? because there's still some sort of attachment that you want. And truth be told, you cannot clearly build trust in your marriage or your relationship if you still have attachments to other people. So you have to be willing to stop all contact. If that means moving jobs, move jobs. If that means moving out of the neighborhood, move out of the neighborhood. Whatever you need to do, whatever it takes, your marriage is on the line. Your relationship is on the line. So stop all contact, change your phone number, block emails. I mean, you're going to have to do what it takes. And y'all, if I can be honest, me and Sean played this game for a long time where he would so-called break off contact with folks. And then I would find out that they're really still having contact. And it is torturous. It is horrible. So either break contact or don't. But don't pretend that you've broken contact and really behind closed doors, you're really still communicating with this person. Again, let's go back to number one. What do you want? Do you really want to rebuild trust or do you not? If you still want to play around, then go play around on somebody else's time. But if you're saying that you want your marriage and you want your relationship, well, then you're going to have to be willing to make some sacrifices. Oh my goodness, I can't move jobs. I'm going to get paid less. Well, guess what? That's one of the consequences of infidelity. Well, I mean, I can't stop talking to this person. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Hurt their feelings? They almost just helped you destroy your marriage. So yes, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. And yes, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. And yes, it's going to hurt in some areas. But what is it that you want? If you want a restored marriage, if you want a restored relationship, this is the cost of that. And yes, it costs a lot, which is why it's better to not break trust in the first place. Number six. We just talked about stopping all contact with the person, but number six is to share all accidental or required encounters with the other person. There are times that you might not be able to completely avoid that person, or maybe you are doing everything in your power to stop all contact, but they run into you at work, or you happen to see them in the store or they just happen to show up somewhere. Those things happen, you guys. It doesn't happen often, but they do happen. When they happen, it is imperative that you are the proactive one in letting your partner know, hey, guess what? Today, when I was at work, I ran into so-and-so. I didn't have a conversation with them. I actually saw them out of the corner of my eye, and I went in the other direction. That goes a long, long way. Because it's showing that you're serious about this. Not only are you serious about it because you avoided contact, but you're serious about it because you were proactive and you let your spouse know something that they would have never known before. So if you happen to run into this person, now when I say if you happen to run into them, I don't mean you never blocked them on social media so they showed up in your DM. No, you can take care of that by blocking them on social media or they just showed up at your house, or they just happened to continue to call you because you didn't want to change your phone number. Those are all things that you can change on your end. But like I said, in the rare case that you might run into them somewhere, let your spouse know. You be the one to tell your spouse or your partner. Don't let your coworker or a friend or somebody else be like, yeah, you know, and we were out the other night and -and so-and-so was there. And then your spouse is looking at you like, oh, so-and-so was there. Oh, really? So now you've just set yourself back again, 10 steps. So we're talking about 12 steps to rebuilding trust. You have to look at it like steps. And every time that you make a misstep, you're going to set yourself back several steps. So be honest and be proactive. All right, number seven is similar to this, and it's remove all the distractions. Remove all distractions of people, places, things anything that might make you go back to whatever it was that broke trust. Maybe you have a quote-unquote friend who was supportive of this external relationship. Well, guess what? That friend might need to get the ax, okay? Maybe there's a song on the radio or whatever that you and that person had that was like y'all's song. You need to stop listening to that song. Maybe there's some sort of um, place that you would go to all the time. Maybe a, a route that you would take to get to work and you and that person met along that route. Whatever it is, you know what it is. You need to be willing to remove all of those distractions. And this might mean making some significant changes in your routine. This might mean letting some people go in your life. People, maybe they've been around for a long time, but guess what? You can't be with them anymore. This might mean, again, like I said before, switching jobs, switching neighborhoods, switching churches, whatever it is that you need to do, you have to be willing to remove all the distractions that lead back to that person or that thing. Whatever the behavior or the issue was that broke trust, you have to be willing to let those distractions go. All right, number eight, tell the truth, the whole truth, but not the gory details, What do I mean by this? When an affair happens, and I'm specifically talking about a sexual affair, you have to be willing to tell the truth. You can't say things like, oh, you know, I was just drunk and I didn't mean it. Okay, yeah, you may have been drunk, but guess what? You still have some sort of control over your body. So you have to be willing to tell the truth. What happened? Now, You have to be careful when I say spare the gory details because oftentimes the offended spouse, they want all the details. Why? Well, because they've already been making up pictures in their mind. If your spouse has cheated on you, you have a picture in your mind of what that other person looks like. You have a picture in their mind how they sound. And this is just all imaginary, mind you. Okay, most of the time you don't even know what that person looks like, sounds like, talks like, okay, but your spouse or the person that you've offended um, has made it in their mind, this picture. So it's very important that you share details, but you don't want to share too many details because just like your spouse or the person that you've offended, your partner, whoever, just like they've made pictures in their mind, they will take the details that you share and they will magnify those details. So in your attempt to be honest, You might give too many details that actually will backfire. So when I'm coaching couples on a fair recovery, I oftentimes will interject if a spouse is giving too many details. And I'll interject not because I don't want that other spouse to be in the know, but I'll interject because I realize that this here is actually not going to be helpful in the long run. So if you're the offended spouse, right, you're the one who was cheated on, I'm going to encourage you to spare yourself from asking some of those super detailed questions. And I don't want to go into detail because, again, I don't want to create pictures in your mind. But you know what I'm talking about. You don't need all the nitty gritties and positions and you you just don't need to know all of that. It's not helpful. It's not going to help you at all to know that information. Believe me. Okay, we're moving right along, you guys. So here we are at number nine. Number nine is acknowledge the repair attempts. Now, I'm talking to the spouse or the partner who was hurt, the the spouse or the partner who was offended. When you see your partner making attempts of restoration, it's important that you acknowledge that. When you see them doing good, I tell my kids all the time, if you see something good, say something good. So when you see them doing the right things, give them positive feedback. We all need positive feedback. Think about it. If you're working uh, on your job and, and you're doing a great job, and I mean, you're killing it, man. you are like meeting all your quotas, you're doing all the things, and your boss never ever tells you great job, that's kind of disappointing, right? I mean, we all need affirmation especially in this area. Your spouse has broken your heart and they feel guilty about it. So when you see them doing good, say something. Babe, I just want to let you know that I appreciate how you have come home consistently early every single night this week. I just, I see it. I'm grateful for it. That's all you have to say. You don't have to butter them up. You don't have to go into all these details. Just acknowledging that you see them on the right path. Now, along with that, if you see something that is not good, then you need to be able to give that feedback as well. They told you that they were going to be on time and they've been late four out of the five nights this week. Well, don't just say, oh, I'm not going to bring it up because I know we're trying to rebuild trust, but that's not the way to rebuild trust. You need to be willing to give feedback. Hopefully it's positive feedback, but if you need to give negative feedback, do that as well. Okay, number 10, allow time to grieve. Y'all, this is so important. Grief is real. A lot of times we think grief in the sense of like losing a loved one, someone dying. But guess what? Infidelity is a death. It is the death of your trust. It is the death of dreams. It is the death of how things should have been. And when you don't allow yourself that time to grieve, you are really doing a huge disservice to yourself, to your spouse or partner, and to your relationship. Give yourself time to grieve. Cry. Get angry. Go through all the steps of grief that you need to go through. It's important Back in 2008, I think I've, I've shared this story before on other episodes, but in 2008, my best friend Sharika died of breast cancer. And I remember just being so shocked because we had prayed and prayed and prayed. I mean, we did everything that the Bible told us to do. And God and his sovereign will still allowed her to pass away. And we were devastated And I remember I was so shocked and just such in a state of disbelief that I started seeing a grief counselor. And this grief counselor gave me this little book called Good Grief. The author's name is Granger. And that book saved me. It really did. I mean, Going through each stage of grief and realizing that I wasn't crazy, I didn't have a lack of faith, you know. but this is a normal process that I needed to go through as I grieved the loss of my best friend, that was super healing for me. And what I'm trying to tell you all is that when you've gone through something as traumatic as infidelity or you've gone through something as traumatic as your spouse breaking your heart and breaking your trust, you have to allow yourself time to grieve. You have to allow yourself to go through all of the grieving process. If you just found out that your spouse was unfaithful and you feel like you're going to bounce back in three months, probably not. So give yourself time. Allow yourself time to ask questions. Allow yourself time to get angry. Allow yourself time to grieve. Now, number 11 is similar to number 10, and it's allow yourself time to heal and forgive. Allow yourself time to heal and forgive. Healing takes time. We all know this. We see it happen in our physical body. How many times have we cut ourselves or we've maybe broken a limb or something like that? It takes time to heal. Well, if our physical bodies take time to heal, so do our hearts. And so again, this is why grieving is so important because you can't fully heal if you don't allow yourself to grieve. But you need to also allow yourself time to forgive. Forgiveness, as I've said before, is a decision and a process. You can decide in a day, I'm going to forgive this person. And you should decide that. It's going to be healthy for you and them in the long run. So it's a decision. It's a choice that you make. But forgiveness is also a process. Sometimes that forgiveness happens in stages. And oftentimes, you have to forgive over and over and over until you have fully accepted the fact of what's happened. So don't beat yourself up about it. If you're a Christian, you're not a bad Christian because it's taken you a little bit of time to learn to forgive. The wound is deep, and it's going to take some time. And I also want to say to the person who has broken trust, so if you're listening right now and you're the one who broke the trust, then you need to give all the time in the world. Oh my goodness, do not try to put a time limit on this. Do not say to that person, "Well, you know what? I mean, I've been doing everything right. So, I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to get over this and you're I mean, this has been like 2 weeks. So, are you going to forgive me or not?" Like that is the worst thing that you can do. You're not in control of the timetable here. So, you're going to have to be patient. Continue to do your consistent good behavior over time. And then allow that person, your spouse, your partner, to forgive and to heal and to grieve. And number 12 is do not break trust again. That's a no-brainer. If you want to rebuild trust in your relationship, you need to start with number one, asking yourself, is this what I really want? Do I really want to rebuild? And then you start with the end in mind. I am not going to break trust again. So when you start with the end in mind, then all the other steps make sense. It makes sense then that you would break off communication with that other person. It makes sense that you would remove all the other distractions so that you don't find yourself in that situation again. It makes sense to set clear boundaries and expectations. It makes sense to tell the truth. Because you're starting from the end. You're starting with the end in mind, saying that it is my desire that this relationship is restored and reconciled. And so to that end, I am committing to never breaking trust again. I want to talk for just a second to the person who maybe you're listening to this and your spouse continues to break your trust. They are caught up in a habitual cycle of infidelity or emotional abuse or whatever the situation is. There has to come a point in time where you realize your worth and your value, and you realize that you cannot, and I want to say this very clearly, you cannot continue in a relationship with someone who is dishonest, with someone who is continuing to violate your trust. That's not a relationship. My heart goes out to you if you're in that situation. And from time to time, I will coach couples and there will be a point where I say, I can't help you anymore because this other person is unwilling to change. But this episode is dedicated to couples who are doing the work to rebuild trust, who are intending on restoring their marriages. All is not lost. If I can give you that one last bit of encouragement, all is not lost. If you've broken trust, You are not the scum of the earth. You do need to make some amends. You need to repent. And that's a part of step number eight, telling the truth, the whole truth, right? It's not only telling the truth, but then apologizing and repenting of what happened. That has to happen. You can tell the truth. You can do all the steps. You can go through all of that. But if you are not willing to say what I did to you was wrong, it never should have happened. And I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? If you're not willing to do that, then that's more of a reflection on what's really going on in your heart. So I'm going to run through these 12 steps one more time. Number one, you have to want to rebuild trust. Number two, both partners must take responsibility. Number three, trust is built by consistent behavior over time. Number four, you have to set clear boundaries and expectations. Number five, stop all contact with the other person. Number six, share all accidental or required encounters with the other person. Number seven, remove all distractions. That could be people, places, alcohol, whatever it might be. Remove all distractions. Number eight, tell the truth, the whole truth, but not all the gory details. Number nine, give feedback and acknowledge repair attempts. Number ten, Allow time to grieve. Number 11, allow time to heal and forgive. And then number 12 is commit to never breaking trust again. Y'all, this is work, but it's good work. It's worthy work. Episode 79 on this podcast is entitled, It Will Work If You Work It. That might be a good follow-up episode for you to listen to. Because if you're willing to commit to change, anything can happen. Good things can happen. Great things can happen. Your marriage today or your relationship today can be better than it was before the violation. I am a living witness that that can happen. Thanks so much, you guys, for listening to this podcast. I want you to make sure that you're back here next week for episode 103 because I'm going to talk about how to heal your heart after trust has been broken. So, this episode is really dedicated to the person who violated trust. Next week's episode is going to be dedicated to the spouse or partner with the broken heart. I'm going to give you some real practical ways on how to heal your heart after trust has been broken. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. I know that this was a little bit of a heavier episode, a little longer than we normally go, but I pray that this information is going to be incredibly valuable to you as you continue to build healthy relationships. Thanks so much for being here. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode.